The truth is that we don't know for certain what is the reason that insect populations are, are declining. And in fact, there's probably a multitude of things that are combining to put pressure on populations. Listening to what people tell you is the cause often tells you more about a person's tribal associations than about what the evidence might suggest. The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective on important societal issues. Produced by Soapbox Media. The world needs evidence-based public policy now more than ever. Making the right decisions should not be partisan politics. Please help spread the rational view by going to patron.podbean.com slash the rational view. Together, we can make a better future. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. I'm your host, Dr. Al Scott. In this episode, I want to investigate claims in the news, fantastic claims of an insect Armageddon. Specifically, it's been reported that insect populations around the globe have plummeted by up to 75% in recent years. As anecdotal evidence of this, old-timers like myself use the car windshield as a gauge. Back in the day, I remember any summer drive would end up with your windshield plastered with insect carcasses. And these days, sometimes the, the windshield ends up pristine. In fact, most of the time, are we in the midst of an ecological collapse prophesied by climate scientists? Insects are very important to ecosystems, and their disappearance would have huge impacts on the food chain and in terms of pollinators. Is this real? Is it global? What is causing it? Should we be worried? Maybe it's a good thing if mosquito populations are dropping. Uh, however, the bats and dragonflies and such probably don't think so. In terms of potential ecological tipping points where the loss of insects causes the whole system to collapse, the on honest answer is we just don't know where the tipping point is. Now, the question is, is the data good? Is this happening? What does the science say? Stay tuned and let's find out. If you like what you're hearing, I'd love to hit, see you hit like on your podcast app. Um, please share the podcast with your friends on social media and join my discussion on my Facebook group, The Rational View. I'd love to hear from you. For this discussion, I'm indebted uh, to a, a review by, in 2018 by Dr. S.R. Leather in the Annals of Applied Biology. Uh, and some of the background here is, is quite interesting. So entomologists have known about falling bug populations for some time. The Zoological Society of London suggested back in 2012 that insect populations were in decline globally, affecting pollination and food supplies for other animals. It estimated that about 20% of all invertebrate species were threatened with extinction and that species with the least mobility and smallest ranges are most at risk. And this ties into climate change, of course, because obviously if you're not mobile and don't have a big range, you can't migrate when the temperature changes. Uh, now, following this up, uh, in 2013, a group of German entomologists reported that there had been a huge reduction in the biomass of insects caught using their traps at 63 German nature reserves since 1989. An annual year-over-year -year decline of 5.2% in flying insect biomass was found. 
about 75% of all insect numbers were, were lost over 26 years. And this is a shocking observation, when almost unnoticed by the popular media until a reanalysis of the data was highly publicized back in 2017. The later paper generated a flurry of activity and the phrase ecological Armageddon was whispered. Although not denying the decline reported, there are several caveats around these papers. The data are based on biomass and not number of species. The sites were not sampled continuously and are not globally representative. So there are lots of potential for confusing things to, to mix up the data. And obviously people have been trying to repeat this and check this since that time. The authors of the German study were not able to link the observed decline to climate change or pesticide use. Although the authors speculated that agricultural intensification and the practices associated with it were likely to be involved in some way. And this isn't a surprising conclusion as globally the transition of land to farming practice, practices to feed the growing human population continues to advance on the few remaining wild regions of the world. And, and you know, the, the majority of, of the land is being used for human food these days. So although this report was shocking, Bug folks, as I said, have known for a long time that some insect groups have been in decline for many years, and scientists have cataloged a massive decline over the past decades in the UK butterfly and moth populations and dragonflies and particular beetles. Uh, the UK has a very good data set, a 50-year insect census project providing a good baseline for analysis courtesy of Rothamsted Research, and it's mostly focused on aphids and moths uh, for agricultural purposes. A 2009 study examining other flying insects using the Rothamsted data uh, insect survey traps showed that three of the four traps analyzed had downward trends in insect biomass over the 30 years from 1973 to 2002, of which only one showed a significant decline. So there is some decline, but only one was really significant. A 2015 paper uh, I'm just combing through the literature here to give you a background over time as to how the investigation went and how the scientists progressed or how are progressing their knowledge. So in 2015, a paper analyzed a 42-year data set looking at the invertebrates found in cereal feeds in southern England. The authors found that of the 26 invertebrate taxa studied, less than half showed a decrease in abundance. The other orders showed no consistent pattern. So this is a small local data set, and it highlights the problem that we know very little about most of the other species we share the world with. We just don't have very good data on many of the plants and fungi and insects upon which the, the sexier large vertebrates depend. Now, I imagine a, a Save the Mosquitoes campaign would not get nearly as many donations as a campaign with a cute seal or dolphin picture that the NGOs use to... Um, to, to, you know, save the whales or save the dolphins or save the seals, save the mosquitoes is not going to sell. So obviously people aren't studying this quite as much and there's not quite as much hype associated with it. Uh, so following the data, a March 2019 statement by the Entomological Society of America said that there was not yet sufficient data to predict an imminent mass extinction of insects and that some of the extrapolated predictions might have been extended well past the limits of the data or have been otherwise overhyped. So they're cautioning that this isn't a mass extinction event. Uh, this is a decrease, but not a mass extinction. Let's not be panicky just yet. 
A 2020 compilation of 166 studies estimated that in insect populations were on average declining globally at a rate of about 0.9% per year. So this doesn't seem like much, less than 1% a year, but think of this accumulating over 100 years and you'll see that rapidly we get to the point of problems. So it's good that this is reaching awareness. Scientists have flagged a pattern, flagged a problem. Uh, more data be between 2003 and 2020, scientists from the Chinese Academy of Agricultural Sciences in Beijing caught almost 3 million migrating insects from high-altitude searchlight traps on Beihuang Island off the coast of northeast China. Over the whole 18-year period, period of the study, the yearly tally of all identified insects fell by 7.6% over 18 years, so a steady downward trend of 0.4% a year. A recent 2022 study analyzed data from hundreds of studies investigating nearly 18,000 different insect species. So you can see that the scientific papers are trying to gather data from, from smaller papers and, and make meta-analyses now to see if there are really a global trend. 2022, 18,000 different insect species at thousands of sites across the planet. The researchers compared the different study sites to determine how severely they've been affected by expanding agriculture, how temperatures have changed in response to global warming, and how insect populations have fared in response. So what they find? They found that the combined effects of agriculture and climate change led to worse outcomes for insects. So places with both significant warming and intense agriculture experienced the greatest losses, as one might expect. So there's a multitude of factors here that could be adding up to put pressure on insects from different way, in different ways. Habitat loss, climate change, um, lack of mobility. The total number of insects were as much as 49% lower in some places in these studies, while the total number of different species were only 27% lower, still a significant and frightening amount compared with other relatively untouched locations. Now, the effects in this study weren't uniform around the world. Researchers found that tropical regions were at the greatest risk for insect declines, and they've also been at risk for agricultural land use changes. Uh, the researchers also found that insects in some temperate regions of the globe actually saw a positive influence from climate change. And this could be due to insects migrating from warmer climates to the more temperate areas. The new study provides only a snapshot in time comparing insect populations in highly disturbed areas to populations in less disturbed places. So it's not a, a historical study or a case study like some of these long baseline ones. And another aspect of this that you might have heard of is our North American honeybee populations, which have also undergone a, a drastic collapse. And people have, you know, thought about beemageddon <laughs> with beekeepers uh, reportedly losing half of their hives over the last year. So that's a significant loss, but it's happened, you know, every, every year beekeepers lose a significant fraction on the order of 20% of their hives. So half of their hives is a significant amount and, and it's only one year that it's been worse. However, they are working on fixing it up. Now, I've noticed certainly the difference in my garden. At the start of the summer, there were no honeybees, and it was just scary odd, right? Uh, like, where did they all go? There were no honeybees this year. And, and what's usually a buzzing mass, you know, when the dandelions come out and the clover comes out, they're usually all over the yard, but there weren't any. The few bumblebees that are usually taking a backseat to the faster honeybees were having a heyday. They were 
going all over the place. Um, But by mid-August this year, I had started to see a small rebound in the honeybee population. Um, They were uh, clustered around the mint flowers, but anecdotally, they're just much fewer of the larger insects than, than there have been. Now, concerning the data on honeybees, now anecdotes, of course, are great, but they don't stand up to science. They don't make up science. So last year's 48% annual loss is up from the previous year's loss of 39% and the 12-year average of 39.6% loss every year. But it's not as high as the 2020-21 50.8% mortality rate, according to surveys of beekeepers. The prognosis, however, is not as bad. Like we, Sure, we should be trying to protect the bees because they're very important. If they go extinct, we're in a lot of trouble. But there are beekeepers all around the world that are trying to mitigate this. Uh, beekeepers have learned how to rebound from big losses by splitting their hives and starting new ones. So it's not a apocalypse yet. The, the pressure on bees uh, is a parasitic mite called Varroa destructor, a very, very good name for a mite, which transmits viruses to bees. And it's the chief culprit that has been identified. Other people have fingered uh, particular uh, pesticides that may be affecting bees and making them uh, not so good. Uh, they make them more vulnerable to disease and less likely to seek food. Abnormally warm spells in the middle of winter can also disrupt hives and cause significant uh, losses just due to um, more variance in the weather, more energy being in the system. You get these sudden thaws in the middle of winter where the bee hives uh, stop kind of hibernating. They, they actually kind of go into a ball to keep themselves warm. But if it gets warm, they may increase their activity and then it turns cold again and they die. So the U.S. Department of Agriculture states that 35% of the human diet comes from insect pollinated plants and the honeybee is responsible for 80% of that pollination. So it's uh, relatively critical that we keep on keeping on uh, saving these bees and protecting them. Another 2020 study reviewed over 5,000 sets of data on arthropods. Now, arthropods, I think, is just a fancy name for insects <laughs> across North America, covering thousands of species and dozens of habitats over decades of time. And this study found, in essence, no change in population sizes. The authors note that most declines have been measured in Europe, where human society has drastically altered natural habitats. The, author, the authors also suggest that publication bias could be to blame for the prevalence of papers showing these shocking declines. And again, this is something I've talked about on other podcasts, is bias and the publication bias especially. Um, publication bias is not about scientific dishonesty or, fa- or publishing false results. These people are making measurements and making actual reports on real results. It refers to the idea that the more dramatic results are more publishable by journals because the journals uh, are looking for more interesting results and don't publish um, null results very often. And, and you're not going to make a name for yourself as a researcher by publishing null results. You need to make discoveries to win a Nobel Prize. Reviewers and journals are going to be more likely to be interested in species that are disappearing than in species that show no change over time. The result is that over time, declining species may become overrepresented 
in the literature. And then when scholars go looking for their meta-analysis for just combing the literature uh, for papers on animal populations, declines are predominantly what they find. All this being said, I think there is a predominance of evidence that suggests that insect numbers are dropping. And this can be a problem and needs to be assessed and needs to be dealt with. What do you think, though, that could be causing an insect Armageddon? The most frequently named suspect in these papers is agricultural intensification and pesticides. Now, this agricultural intensification covers a multitude of sins, as it were. Farm mechanization, the eradication of hedges, crop monocultures that that discourage uh, diverse uh, ecologies, the increased use of chemical fertilizers and regular applications of pesticides are all intended to produce fields without weeds, pests, or diseases. Now, only a reduced range of wild plants and animals can survive in the narrow field margins and neighboring roadside verges that remain uh, that aren't being farmed as intensively. Another way of putting it is that farmers have made fields unwelcoming to most insects, and that's not a surprise. It's been estimated that on Earth right now, 24% of all plant growth annually is now used by humans to feed us roughly doubling over the 20th century. So it's no wonder that insects don't do well in landscapes such as these when farmland occupies almost 40% of the land. In North America, insect-eating bird species also experienced an average decline in population size, uh, measured at almost 10 million over the past 50 years, while while those for for which insects are not essential prey did not decline at all, on average. So interesting data. What people actually think is the cause, though, has something to do with tribalism amongst people. Uh, People in one tribe might claim that somehow the ubiquitous herbicide glyphosate is to blame. I have another podcast on glyphosate, the least toxic uh, herbicide on the market. They'll be quick to implicate the rise of GMO crops as the key driver for the decline. The truth is that we don't know for certain what is the reason that insect populations are are declining. And in fact, there's probably a multitude of things that are combining to put pressure on populations. But listening to what people tell you is the cause often tells you more about a person's tribal associations than about what the evidence might suggest. I'm sure someone may even have suggested that All of the insect traps being set out by overzealous entomologists is what's causing the decline. Let's talk a little bit about other potential problems of of human encroachment and human impacts on, on bug and insect populations. Amateur astronomers will tell you it is Alan that is behind the insect decline. That's me. Alan, uh, several papers, including One in 2020 present evidence that Allen has led to insect declines through its interference with the development, movement, foraging, and reproductive success of diverse insect species, as well as its positive effect on insectivore predation. The authors posit that diurnal bias, a preference among ecologists for studying daytime phenomena, rather than staying up late at night and doing their work, has led insect conservationists to overlook the widespread habitat disturbance that artificial light at night 
or Alan causes, not me. I do have a podcast on the prevalence of artificial light at night on and its impact on astronomy, and I suggest you go take a look at it someday. How does Alan affect insects, you might ask? It seems like artificial light at night couldn't be that bad, right? How can it impact insects? Well, uh, if you've ever turned on a light and seen the bugs swarm to it, you'll know what happens. Alan can also affect, in addition to causing the bugs to swarm and die, Alan can affect body clocks of many species. Over all of evolutionary time, there have never been bright lights at night for animals and insects to adapt to. So this is a relatively recent evolutionary pressure. It disrupts movement and migration patterns that can contribute to the survival of many species. Some estimates suggest that one-third of insects that are attracted to stationary artificial light sources die before morning, either through exhaustion or predation, because obviously when they're clustering around, their predators are going to notice and come have a feast. For insects attracted to automobile headlights, the results are more certain. This fatal attraction has been estimated to result in 100 billion insect deaths per summer in Germany and had the potential to swiftly eliminate isolated populations of moths in Finland. Multiple studies have shown that nocturnal species underwent steeper declines than diurnal species, and those are ones that work in the day, that are not attracted to light. However, the opposite has also been observed in odd cases. Allen can delay or eliminate the window of time during which night-active insects engage in courtship and mating. This is surprising and something you might not know, but the take, for example, the corn earworm moth, a nice happy name for a moth, or earworm moth. What are these earwigs and earworms? My goodness. The corn earworm moth, for example, never mates when the ambient light levels are above that produced by a quarter moon. So obviously, if there are uh, bright artificial lights nearby, they aren't going to they aren't going to have sex. Other strictly nocturnal insects are also similarly sensitive. And I can't blame them for wanting to have the lights off. They're hideous. But that's not all. Some of you may note that much of the data on insect population that I've been talking to you about decline. These declines have all come from Germany, home of the energy vend. For over 15 years, Germany has been madly turning off their nuclear power plants and building expansive windmill farms in a seemingly misguided attempt to return to nature. And the program has been somewhat successful. They are returning to nature. The increased cost of electricity has driven a lot of industry out of Germany, while its electrical grid continues emitting around 350 grams of carbon dioxide per kilowatt hour. That's about 10 times the carbon intensity of France's nuclear base grid. However, evidence is accumulating that not only bats and eagles, but also multitudes of insects are frequently killed by operating wind turbines. Laser measurements at operating wind turbines confirm a high insect activity in the risk zone of these turbines. In 2020, the annual loss of insect biomass at wind turbines was estimated for Germany to amount to 1,200 tons during the plant growth period from April to October, which equates to about 1.2 trillion killed insects per year. So that's an order of magnitude more than cars. And assuming one milligram insect body mass. So accordingly, a single turbine located in the temperate zone of Germany might kill about 40 million insects per year. 
There's about 28,500 turbines in operation across Germany as of March 2023, and the number continues to grow at an increasing pace. It is well known in the windmill industry that insect corpses leave a layer of organic detritus on the leading edge of the blades. This layer disrupts the laminar airflow, causing a significant drop in power production. Indeed, a 2001 study notes that insect remains that stick to the leading edges of blades during low wind periods can have power generation during high wind periods. Wind energy companies are aware of this. They've invented cleaning techniques to mitigate this issue, and it's led to an the emergence of an entire service industry that removes insects and other debris from the blades. It's difficult to give a precise estimate of the insect carnage caused by these windmills, as many of them just bounce off and fall to the ground, and you can't just measure what's stuck to the blades. And this provides a veritable smorgasbord for insectivores and birds and bats. And this, this feast of entomologic proportions attracts uh, all of these animals to the windmills, uh, in the dangerous vicinity of these scything blades, causing them to also be killed in great numbers. Now, as swarming and migration are linked to mating and dispersal, respectively, fatalities at wind turbines have, may have profound effects on insect populations at various spatial scales. Some insects are especially vulnerable, such as hilltopping butterflies. They may only occur in small populations at a local scale, and placing wind turbines close to these populations, which is what the energy vent is all about, uh, the cart will disrupt the mating areas of these insects. For example, on a mountain ridge or hilltop, you know, you're mainly affecting local populations, but these are small groups of insects. So, um, as, as a, an anecdote, the plains surrounding my family's farm in, in southwestern Ontario are now littered with wind turbines thanks to Dalton McGinty and Kathleen Wynne's ideologically based Green Energy Act. Not only has this windmill subsidizing policy been a significant drain on Ontario taxpayers' limited funds, it's also resulted in a significant ecological risk. This area in southern southwestern Ontario is right next to Point Pelee National Park, uh, a gathering area for what were once huge swarms of monarch butterflies on their perilous annual migration to Mexico. Now, Point Pelee is, is the end of a natural migratory funnel caused by the Great Lakes, and it's the shortest path across uh, for many birds and especially the monarch butterfly. So all these migrating flying animals and insects funnel down through uh, this area, bird watchers from all around North America come to Point Pelee to the specially protected region for a chance to glimpse rare migratory bird species. Um, interestingly, this area is also home to North America's greatest concentration of greenhouses and active artificial light, LED light at night. And on many nights, the sky there glows a garish purple from the unshielded lights of hundreds of acres of greenhouses. Thousands of watts of photons are being beamed up into the sky in a flagrant, polluting dystopia uh, while they shred away at the insects by the windmills. It's as if an alien armada were descending from the clouds with their landing lights on blast. And to prevent this, all that is needed is, is for the greenhouse producers to install cost-effective drapes and reflect their precious photons back into the growing area where they can be used. But think about this. The most ecologically sensitive migration path in North America is full of artificial light at night and windmills, chopping away at the monarch butterflies, chopping away at the rare migrating birds, and distracting them all. 
So bringing my rant to a close, what have we learned? Insect populations seem to be dropping in a lot of areas. We don't really have great data on a global scale on just how many species we share this planet with. So it's difficult to make grand global predictions. Uh, and because of this, we can't say with any degree of certainty just how worrisome this is. Um, I've read papers suggesting that, for example, aquatic arthropods have been increasing in numbers. So, so insects in the ocean are doing well, perhaps. Certainly, we expect populations to migrate and change location in response to climate change. This makes it difficult for us to keep track of how many, you know, are in a particular location and whether we're losing them through death or through migration. Many populations are under threat from habitat loss associated with human society and agricultural land use intensification. The pressure of this multitude of threats is the reason why this period in our planet's history has been recognized as one of the greatest mass extinction events in its history, the Holocene. Certainly, we can point fingers at climate change, at agriculture, at pesticides, at windmills, and especially Allen. But we really can't point at just one of these and lay the blame at this point. Anyone who does do that has something to sell. Thanks for listening to The Rational View. If you'd like to follow up with more in-depth discussions, please come find us on Facebook at The Rational View and join our discussion group. If you like what you're hearing, please consider visiting my Patreon page at patreon.podbean.com slash the rational view. Thanks for listening.